June 20th, and here we go. It is great to have you back here on Damon Bruce Plus. Welcome back to the Plus. we got a good one for you today. Might be a short one. I'm going to warn you all right now, at any point in time, we could be kamikaze by a three-year-old. Jack is upstairs with an iPad being left to his own devices right now. So say a little prayer for all of us today. Uh, we got a lot to get into and a wonderful guest to start off today. But yesterday I hopped into sports so quickly I, I, I forgot to thank our sponsors at the beginning of the show. We did it in Club Plus because we got to make good on these things. But let's start out today with a huge hearty thank you as always to Ike. My man just opened it's almost his 100th location. You need a sandwich today, tomorrow, any day. Get yourself to Ike's. You'll be glad that you did. If you're interested in a burger, go check out my guys in the inner rich Uncle Boys on Balboa and 4th, a San Francisco original. You'll be happy you did. Don't forget to try the Lumpia, which is also fantastic. Uncle Boys, delicious. And speaking of delicious, there you go. Need to self-medicate? Had a long day? <laughs> Next time you're at BevMo, go ahead and pick up a bottle of Blackened. You'll be happy that you did. It is delicious whiskey. It is fantastic. It works on the rocks, neat, in cocktails, anywhere you need it. It works perfectly. Speaking of working perfectly and anywhere you need it, anywhere you need him, you will find the one and only John Dickinson from 95.7 The Game, one of the hardest working men in show business here in San Francisco, and he's nice enough to join us here on the Plus. JD, thank you so very much. How are you, pal? Damon, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me, and it's it's great to be with you, man. Great to, to talk some sports, talk some dubs, talk whatever the hell you want, man. You, I, I am. It's a blank canvas for you, my friend. Well, it's, it's really good to have you here, man. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Thank you for stopping on by the first official member of the old station to stop on by so i do appreciate that and by the way everyone need by the way the, the chat's already going crazy jd <laughs> otis bird the third everyone's excited uh everyone's happy that you're here and i need everyone to be my engineer right now hopefully the levels are good we worked on this we troubleshot it you know a couple radio guys maybe we got it right jd maybe we got it wrong i don't know we'll figure it all out together man but um, it is really good to have you here, and let's just jump right into a press conference that you attended yesterday. The introduction of Mike Dunleavy Jr. as the Warriors general manager. What were your overall impressions of the afternoon? I even heard Tim Kawakami what describe it as relaxed and confident. Did you did you pick up <laughs> relaxation and confidence at the press conference yesterday, JD? Confidence, yes, but it was an understated confidence, to be sure. I, I was impressed, and I'll, I'll just give you the big two things, headline items. I, I was impressed with how calm Mike Dunleavy Jr. was. It seemed like he had a full understanding of everything that he had signed up for, whether that was the Joe Lacob experience as far as the middle of the night calls and the, the hands-on wanting to be involved, collaborative. We're going to have 10 different voices in the room to try to cobble out the, the best decision to be made for, for the future of the franchise and just the chaos. I, I think there's an acceptance of the chaos and the time and place that he takes the job with 
this franchise wanting to try to make another run toward a title while also having fewer means to be able to make that run. And it's just a, it's a difficult concoction of personalities and talent and age. And, and, you know, that's, that's just the on the court stuff. Forget about all the different voices that he's going to be dealing with as far as the rest of the front office. So I was impressed with, just uh, the humility and calmness. There, there was a a Bob Myers, Steve Kerr esque tone to him of just being a good guy. And I think the Warriors have gotten really far over the years because they've employed a lot of good humans that always tend to look at things big picture in addition to basketball as far as trying to do it the right way. And I think he does fall in line at least you know get that box checked. Uh, the other thing that stood out was, and this could have just been posturing. It, it, he, to me, seemed too content on the notion that the Warriors are a couple of small tweaks away from being title contenders again. I, I don't know where you stand on that, but this isn't, hey, run the same team back that won 44 games and got knocked out against the Lakers at a couple veteran minimums in the 19th pick. And it's go time. You're back in the NBA finals or contending for championships. I think they have a little farther to go. I get trying to play up guys. You may try to deal in Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga. There was a lot of that yesterday. We love Jordan Poole. We don't think he's going anywhere. Kaminga needs more playing time. It's on us to figure that out. He, he really, I thought, pandered to the notion that they're comfortable in standing pat when I find it hard to believe, Damon, that they're comfortable standing pat. They can't be if they want to get back to winning a title. So I'm actually on team. I think they run it back. I don't think they're dealing pool. I don't think they're dealing Kaminga. And I've been in that camp pretty much for a while now. Maybe something happens. Maybe the Draymond opt out changes the tone of the situation a little bit. Okay. So we got a lot of things to go over here. Um, let's start with what I think is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And that is the fact that many fans in their worst fears, JD, believe that Joe Lacob and Kirk Lacob have installed Mike Dunleavy as nothing more than a shadow general manager. And their board is now the board that runs the organization. Um, if anyone does believe that, I guess my argument would be, if that's what you really believe, there is no hire that could have prevented that. Like, no one's <laughs> going to come and start vetoing Joe Lacob. If you really believe that left to his own devices, he's about to become Jerry Jones of the NBA, and his kid will be his right-hand man more than anyone who wears the title of general manager. Do you share that fear? Is the truth somewhere in the middle of Mike Dunleavy working autonomously or, you know, the Lakeups being a meddlesome ownership group when it's all said and done. Where do you fall on that? I don't think they're meddlesome. I, I think they're involved, but I, I do believe Joe Lacob when he says the word collaborative. I, I really do. I, I believe that he has an extremely strong voice in the room. I think Kirk Lacob has an extremely strong voice in the room. I think Mike Dunleavy Jr. had a voice in the room that now becomes stronger with the departure of Bob Myers. I think when Steve Kerr is asked, he has a very strong voice in the room. I think Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, when asked, have strong voices in the room. And it doesn't mean they're going to roll with exactly what those players want. But if you're in the run it back camp, and I've tried to say this to people in the month plus here that, that the Warrior season ended, 
Steph, Clay, and Draymond doubled, tripled, quadrupled, quintupled down on wanting to play together at least one more season to try and contend for a championship. That was apparent in the first 30 minutes down in Los Angeles. If you were in the press conference room after they got knocked out by the Lakers in, in game six, they want to run it back. And the fact that we're even having the conversations about an extension of running it back with maybe them and Wiggins and Looney and Poole and Kaminga and all the young players that I think shows you how much clout, that the big three and in particular Steph has in this thing. So yeah, ultimately there are decisions that have to be made. And at some point, maybe a tie has to be broken. And I think that can get a little bit tricky, but I I think through history, we know Damon that, you know, Joe Lacob has wanted to do things that maybe he's trusted others and gone with their recommendation, whether it was, Hey, trade Clay Thompson versus, uh, you know, keeping him and, and going and getting Kevin Love, you know, those kinds of things, the, whether it was trading for D'Angelo Russell that eventually turned into Andrew Wiggins. He's praised Bob Myers for the Kevin Durant signing being his idea and his plan and his foresight into breaking down the cap to where he would know they would have the financial ability to do it. So long winded way of saying, Damon, I do believe Joe Lacob when he says everybody has a voice in the room. So. John Dickinson, our guest here. People keep on telling me to turn my mic up or maybe your mic down a little bit. Okay. Look, it, it might not be perfect, but the information from JD, the boots on the ground is what we're here for, not proper echo control in two guys who are sitting in their houses, not radio studios. Uh, but thanks to all the feedback and everyone trying to get us the sound the right way. Um, <laughs> Drew Down says he's into it. He says he's actually an echo sexual whatever that is so very 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 nice uh hashtag to that jd so look man um draymond green opting out i had always thought that this was the very first step in his return to the golden state warriors this is nothing more than the opening gambit of him returning on a multi-year deal draymond is not the kind of guy you're going to bring back on a one-year deal isn't going to be comfortable playing on a one-year deal so when it's all said and done and the dust settles, do you believe Draymond Green puts on another uniform or he returns? I think he returns. I think he returns probably on a three-year deal. And and by the way, I did kick my mic down a little bit. And I was there hearing a little bit of an echo in my headset. And, right. I, and that did release some of that. So nice. I, I think we're in good shape as long as the people... doesn't like a full release? Thank you. As long as, yes, hashtag release. Uh, I do think Draymond comes back. I think it was always the smart play for him to opt out, uh, knowing that he wanted to lock in two more years in addition to the year that that he's coming at at 27. The the framework of a deal for me, and look, this is just a starting point, and I think it's interesting. I'll get your thoughts on this because – no matter what the number is, I think you get people for the most part that say, well, that's way too much for Draymond or, or it's going to be way more than that. It feels like the middle ground should be easy to come by in that sense. But, but just in people that I've kind of thrown it out to it, it, it hasn't been the, the guide that I've used is, well, Draymond's going to want three and he would have made 27.5 million at the beginning of you know next year. If he had, remained on his current contract i've used the 27 25 23 as in you know, you can start it at one point it can go up or it can go down you can do it both ways with an nba contract i think the warriors would like having it go down over a couple of years i think draymond would like to make sure he gets that 27 
to 27-5 that he had coming to him with additional years tacked on. 27, 25, 23 might be a way to do it. That all adds up to 3 and 75 as far as my baseline for what it, I think it would take. Now, some have said, well, J.D., he's not going to make anything less than Jordan Poole. And J.D., he's going to want 3-90. and 90. And there's others that have said he's a $20 million player now, should be 3-60. and 60. So I, I think 75 is is that middle ground, maybe slightly higher. Uh, I know Woj last night on ESPN had reported – he thinks this thing's a lock that he's coming back, but it's the difference between a three-year and a four-year deal. Maybe the only sticking point or or debate. I don't know where you stand on that. I'd I'd be a little uncomfortable giving Draymond a fourth year, but it depends on what the the money looks like, and maybe that's some kind of a a, a team option or something like that. I look at it all as there's there's no way to avoid the crash that eventually comes. I mean, there, there really isn't. There's no such thing as your best player in the history of your organization and Steph Curry. His career is over. The team is officially winding down that era, and everything lands nice and smoothly. Whatever Steph wants is the only way this team should operate right now. And if having Draymond return three years, four years, like it, it really doesn't matter and shouldn't matter that much to the Warriors. I don't think there's any smooth way for Draymond's career to come to an end. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's going to be choppy at the end. But if they can get one more NBA Finals appearance out of this run, no matter what you got to give up on the back end, it's worth it to do it today. At least that's the way I believe and look at all this. And I, I kind of want to start focusing on the draft, which is coming up on Thursday, J.D., because there's plenty of rumors attached to the Warriors wanting to maybe trade up into the lottery, if not just up in the round to begin with. And Jonathan Kaminga has been a player attached to that rumor. When I think of the Warriors and what didn't happen with James Wiseman, like that to me is one of the biggest failures of this organization. Just from a draft capital standpoint, what James Wiseman turned into was one gigantic scoop of nothing for the Golden State Warriors. In an odd way, Trading Kamingo would even represent, in my mind, J.D., an even bigger failure because they had already started the were drafting raw in hopes of a brighter future with Wiseman. Then they come back and they do that again with Kamingo, and Kamingo is a player who should fit them better because we know that any and all centers, whether they be rookies or NBA vets, it's always been a little bit of a square peg situation in a team that likes to play small ball. To me, trading Kaminga away for a player who is similar, yet you're restarting at ground zero, never even dribbled a ball in the NBA, that to me just seems, even if it is penny wise, it's pound foolish. Yeah, I, I think... There's a couple of ways the Warriors can get better and not run it back being the same. And to me, almost all of those ways involve looking to trade Jordan Poole and or Jonathan Kaminga just because they're the most valuable assets. And we can have a debate on Poole as to how valuable. And look, I think it's a fair debate on both Poole and Kaminga that you're maybe trading low or you're, you know, you're selling low on both of them, considering the fact that Kaminga deemed, you know, he rendered himself unplayable in the playoffs and pool. Obviously it's been well chronicled the, the bad year that, that he had. But I think if you want to get better, you need playable 
mid you know the, the Warriors have too many players right now that are that are in the the mid 30s and they have too many players that are in the early 20s. They need more on the Wiggins Looney time frame. The guys that are veterans but are still in that 27 28 range. Right. Not maybe quite even middle aged, still in their prime. Yeah, still in your prime, but I mean, you know, but to me it's yeah, still in your prime but a starter, right? It's I mean Wiggins is Maybe not the player, but I think Wiggins for where he is in his career, he's a veteran. He doesn't even necessarily have to be the player that you get doesn't have to necessarily be. I mean, Wiggins was what? 2000. Oh, no, J.D. just froze on us. Oh, no, J.D., you're frozen. We get a frozen John Dickinson. What do you do with the frozen John Dickinson? To leave him out in the sun to thaw a little bit. Let me go ahead and close this. JD, if you can still hear me, go ahead and reconnect. See if we can bring you back that way. But uh, the whole John Dickinson or the, the Jonathan Kaminga debate, again, it's an interesting one. If the Warriors have fallen out of love, out of love with Jonathan Kaminga, what is that reason? Why? Because as a player, he looked like he was really on the come. He looked like he was someone who was going to go ahead and, and become what they wanted. But then there was an awful lot of talk of, well, he's a little bit dobbered down and we don't like his attitude in the postseason and he's sulking. Maybe they're not trusting his basketball IQ. Sort of a weird situation that the Warriors find themselves in now with Kaminga. And it looks like the one young guy that they've drafted that they actually trust is Moses Moody. And he might be the last man standing of the two-timeline youth movement, which really never produced a two-timeline movement. So it's an, an odd situation that the Warriors find themselves in. And we'll see if uh, JD can't get back here with us in just a moment. Um, Ike in the chat room this morning, he's trying to get a deal done with Draymond Green. He's already said that he'll throw in a lifetime of sandwiches Maybe four years at 100. Here's the thing, Draymond, if you want that fourth year, you got to give back a little money, right? I mean, that would be the way I negotiated this if I were the Warriors as well. You want a fourth year? Fourth year isn't something we want. I'd rather overpay for three years and then be done than tack on a fourth. But if we do got to have a fourth, we'll go ahead and we'll get this done um, at a better price. I think that uh, Ike just came up with the right contract maybe to bring back uh, Draymond Green. I really think Draymond wants back. Again, it, it was it, it's very, very simple. Draymond opting out of his player option is the only way, the only way. Uh, hold on, let me text JD real quick. <laughs> um, it's the only way that... Um, I lost my train of thought because I was I was I was texting with JD there for a second. But the only way Draymond was coming back was by opting out. It was the first move no matter what he's doing. Now, the thing that the Warriors do need to be concerned with is somebody flies in Draymond Green and dazzles him with an opportunity that all of a sudden in Draymond's mind means more to Draymond professionally than being Steph Curry's running mate to the end of both of their careers. 
That would have to be an incredible situation for it to actually happen. I think he's back, boys and girls. John Dickinson returns. Good to have you back, JD. We got you. Oh no, JD, are you with me? I got you, Damon. Everything there. got everything got all out of whack well, once the the freeze started, and so I had to change how I, how I could hear you and how you could hear me. I had to reset everything when we reset everything. So good. All right. Well, here's the thing: we won't keep you for too much longer, then, because I don't know how the reset is actually sounding or looking or anything. Uh, but l let's just wrap up with this: Warriors drafting at 19. Who are they looking for? What are they looking for? You can either give me names or attributes you think they got to come away with at 19. It has to be somebody that, that's plug and play right now. Uh, it, the whole notion of taking a project or taking somebody that's so young that he has to be developed over the next couple of years is a non-starter. And if you're going to do that, then you might as well trade the pick for a veteran player that can come in and play now. So whether it's the 19th pick and they pick somebody or they use it as an asset in a big deal or a one-for-one -one kind of a deal for, for a veteran player, it has to be somebody that's plugged and play in the rotation. And I have a hard time believing that the Warriors are going to be capable of doing that when you look at the fact that Jonathan Kaminga wound up being unplayable in the playoffs and didn't play at all until at all basically Kaminga was so bad that Steve Kerr said hey you give it a shot and then he played well enough to continue to play throughout the duration of the playoffs uh, I, I like Chris Murray Keegan Murray's brother I know that's kind of a, yeah a, a sexy you know that's kind of a, a cute name because you know everybody saw what Keegan Murray did so that's kind of he's the left-handed Chris Murray with you know, maybe not quite the athlete maybe not quite the shot uh, but but it's that type of player uh, somebody that can knock down three that can be steady that that can come in and and, and really help now that that's the template and so that's where i think the warriors look to be aggressive i i just don't think this is a scenario we're talking at eight nine o'clock on thursday night and it's like well warriors got this he might be able to come in and do some things or not no 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 you gotta you gotta come you gotta come with a rotation capable player even if it means you wind up in a in some kind of a bigger deal well, I tell you what, J.D., next time we do one of these, let's just eliminate all the technology that might be standing in the way of a beautiful conversation. We'll just have you sit like right here, right next to me. We'll grab a coffee. We'll Irish it up a little bit, and we'll just hang out and we'll do it together sometime. Thank you so much for joining us today, though, man. Great to see you. Um, give my best to everyone back at the station. And uh, it must be just a little bit depressing to work there without Ray Ratto, breathing his sunshine and happiness all over the station all day long. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Cheers to Ray. Thank you. There he is, John Dickinson, super reporter. I think we got that done. I think we got that done to a reasonable amount of success. Thank you so much to JD for stopping on by again. Troubleshooting things when you're not at a radio station is less fun than when you are at a radio station. But that's my guy right there. Great to have him on. And it's going to be a very interesting week. I can tell you tomorrow we are going to be recording an interview with our man Marcus Thompson a little bit later on in the week. Nick Ferdell is going to be joining me as well. And hopefully we can get more of these audio issues, which seem to keep creeping up on us, all hammered out in due time. I think it has to do an awful lot with some internet connections on the other end. Just throwing that out there. 
But again, what the hell do I know? I just I, I just talk for a living. That's it. I can take these off now. Don't need these anymore. Ooh, a little feedback there. Jimi Hendrix style. Yeah, little feedback, baby. That's what we're talking about. So, yeah. John Dickinson, super reporter. There it is. It's one of the better jingles that has ever happened. Uh, that is good stuff right there. Hey, we saw early on, you know, some people are saying, look, if, if Draymond goes anywhere, it's going to be, be he's going to go to the Lakers because he's smoking cigars and hanging out with LeBron in France right now. I really don't know how he is going to fit into their financial situation down in L.A. Uh, L.A., when it got to the Denver Nuggets, needed more scoring more than anything else. I don't know if Draymond answers that question for them. So you got to look out, though. You go on a European vacation, can change the way you think about things. And having said all that, uh, we want to say uh, buongiorno to the postman in Capitola who is taking a little uh, little time off. I tell you what, postman, we'll give you all the time off that you need. You get paid time off here uh, as a pluser. Uh, have a wonderful time in Italy. Uh, he does says, of course, uh, Damon Bruce drops a potential Indiana player to the Warriors. Hey, I'm just throwing that out there. Trace Jackson Davis, in my mind, does sort of fit what the Warriors are looking for. He's a front court player. He's a rebounder. He's a defender. He runs the floor. He's not trying to take shots he's not comfortable with. And you could say, well, he doesn't take enough shots that he's uncomfortable with that you really can't trust him at the NBA level because he's that little of a shooter. Look, he's a glorified garbage man. Um, you know, it, it, it Kavon Looney 2.0. Could I interest you in Kevon Looney 2.0? Because I think that there's a little something similar there. He's much better finisher around the rim than Kevon Looney. But he is the same type of player that I think Steve Kerr, if you gave Steve Kerr Trace Jackson Davis, he would be able to focus in on the attributes and find reasons to play him more than he would focus on the negatives and the reason to maybe not play him, which is sort of what Jonathan Kaminga has you know fallen into again he's experienced trace jackson davis has seen it all uh as a college player as a college player with significant college minutes under his belt he's a lot more mature a lot less raw without nearly that i'll use the jay billis phrase it is nba draft week after all upside potential you know that upside potential what trace jackson davis lacks in upside potential he makes up for in the ability to come and play right now. Um, that's what I think he would provide the Warriors maybe more than anything else. So we will have more throughout the Warriors this week. Um, John Jay is right about this. John Jay saying, hey, Damon, uh, Trace is more athletic than Looney. Uh, you're right. And he didn't shoot much from the perimeter because it wasn't his role, and it also wasn't something that he was very good at doing. I mean, there was enough three-point shooting struggles all along the Indiana starting five and bench to where anyone who just could have stepped out and hit a three, if they could have done it, they would have asked him to do it more. So um, I, I just don't think that we need to sit around and evaluate Trace Jackson Davis based on the three-point shot that he does or does not have. I, I don't think that's a big deal. What he does do is he runs the floor, he gets to the rim offensively and protects it defensively. Um, by the way, John, or excuse me, not John, but Rob C. 
dropping a 957. Oh, that silly number. Thank you very much. What an incredibly generous notion there, Rob. Rob, that goes in the war chest. That's going to help us grow the plus. That's going to get us the technology we need, maybe the engineer that we need. That's going to help us get um, the marketing, the promo that we need to really grow this bad boy to what we're all hoping it turns into. Thank you very, very much, Rob C. Wow. Everyone give it up to Rob C. Give Rob C a little love on that chat. Way to go, Rob. Yeah, Mr. Bridges already is like, Jesus, Rob, damn. Look at that. Look at that. That is a, you're right. You are right about that, T, from the 203. That is a big-time jingle jangle. It's one of the bigger jingle jangles we've ever seen. Thank you very much, Rob C. Getting it done. Look at Rob C. getting rounds of applause from the people, too. Rob C., Yosarian. These are all the loyal listeners saying, way to go. Way to get it done, Rob. Way to go. Way to go. Now, <laughs> True Blue Forever, you pulling from that Saudi fund? No, I'm pulling from the Rob C. fund. Rob C., that's the fund right there. Plucer of the week, Kathy. You know it. You know it. Damon, if you need an offsite producer, you know who to call. T from the 203, running boards down in Miami. He wants to help out up here, too. God bless you, man. Seriously. The fact that Jack hasn't run down here to crash this party right now is already a miracle. I can't believe that we're almost a half an hour into the show and we have not gotten a visit from the three-year-old. So let's keep moving along. Um, we might have to bag Club Plus today only because I, I know how this all ends. And it's a gorgeous day outside and it's Jack Daddy Day. I think we're going to go to the Tunnel Top Park, little Golden Gate Bridge, one of the best playgrounds I've ever seen with my own two eyes. It's freaking fantastic down there. Might even stop at Uncle Boy's on the way back home for a little lumpia, a little burger action. So um, that's what I got coming up today. Before we tip our cap and say thank you for tuning in, though, we got to get to the fact that the Giants... Dude, the San Francisco Giants, down 4 nothing, used to feel like a death sentence. Down 4 nothing is no big deal for this team, this lineup right now. Not this last month anyways. Five of the wins that they have enjoyed now in the last month have come after trailing in a game seventh inning or later. This is a team that knows how to rally, knows how to put together a crooked number when they need it. They just came off their first sweep down in L.A. in 17 years. They come back home after a perfect 6-0 road trip, having won seven straight games, and they pushed their winning streak to eight last night and did it. Did it in dramatic fashion. You had Yaz walking it off with a three-run splash hit over San Diego. It was his second home run of the night. Casey Schmidt draws a huge two-out walk. It's just the second walk of the young man's career. Casey Schmidt ain't up there taking a lot of walks. Big walk last night from Casey Schmidt. Uh, big bunt from Sable when it was needed. The only guy in the youth movement who didn't really get it done last night was Luis Matos, who took an 0 for 4, but all is forgiven because that kid looks like the real deal. There is no doubt about that. Um, and there were two pitching performances that need to be highlighted from last night's Giants game. First of all, Keaton Wynn. Who the hell is Keaton Wynn? This kid is... He's... he's he, 
what made his debut in St. Louis, picked up a win in relief. Keaton Wynn, you can stretch his kid out to being a starter right now. Keaton Wynn last night, five innings, four strikeouts, three hits, and maybe one of the bigger relief performances of the year for the San Francisco Giants. He lasted 60 pitches last night. Keaton Wynn, boys and girls. And then Camilo Duvall. Camilo Duvall might have had one of the Hardest setup nights of work you're going to find anywhere in Major League Baseball last night. And he clocked in and he got the job done. Susan Slusser, uh, the Sluss, she got it done in the San Francisco Chronicle. And I'm just going to read it to you because she, as usual, put it perfectly. I can't improve upon this. Last night, Camilo Duvall comes in for a bushel of credit, too. With the placed runner on second in the 10th inning, he walks Juan Soto, who had homered twice in the game. Intentionally, he walks Soto. Then he strikes out Manny Machado on a slider in the 11th pitch of a dramatic at-bat, which included seven pitches that clocked in north of 100 miles an hour. Then he gets Xander Bogarts to ground out, and then he gets Jake Cronenworth flying out. You can't find a thicker, harder three outs to get at the end of a baseball game than Soto. Well, he walked Soto. But then Machado... Bogarts and Cronenworth like that was a hell of a shut the door moment for Camilo Duvall who let's be totally honest here this guy is easily an all-star as the National League's I think premier closer and the real question is is Camilo Duvall establishing himself as the best closer in all of baseball I don't know if you could do any better than Camilo Duvall for three outs in the ninth inning or in extras. The, the guy throws absolute cheese. He's the real deal, man. He's the real deal. And who would have ever thought that the Giants would get to 40 wins before the Padres and the Dodgers? Nobody, nobody had that on their bingo card. No one. Um, tonight, it is Seth Lugo against Anthony DeSclafani. The Giants are looking for a ninth win in a row. Hold on. Here comes your refreshing coffee sip of the day. Are you ready? This sip of the day brought to you by coffee. Uh, let's see. One other note on the Giants. Doesn't apply to today. It applies to one year from today. As the Giants continue their massive seven-game homestand with game two against San Diego tonight, they've got the first-place Arizona Diamondbacks coming in after the Padres. is a big, big homestand for the Giants. Uh, I don't know who gives up the home game next year, but June 20th, 2024, the Giants are going to be participating in the Field of Dreams game. But they're not going to a cornfield in Iowa. They're going to a classic old Negro League stadium in Birmingham, Alabama, which opening in 1910 is America's longest operational professional ballpark in the country. Um, it is Rickwood Field in Alabama. Why Rickwood Field? Beyond the fact that it's this glorious old stadium, it's because Willie Mays is from Birmingham, Alabama, and it will be a game paying tribute to Willie Mays 
on June 20th, 2024, America's oldest professional ballpark hosting a game, a regular season game between the Giants and the Cardinals at Rickwood Field in Alabama. Again, Rickwood Field opened in 19. 10. Uh, there's also going to be a minor league game there on June 18th between the Birmingham Barons and the Montgomery Biscuits. So you got that if you want to get in. And and all I can tell you is that baseball has given us an awful lot of reason to criticize some of the decisions it makes and some of the things that the owners are doing to fans. Um, it's easy to fall in and out of love with baseball, depending on what what week you're talking about and what lens you're looking at the sports through. Um, as critical as we have been, and rightfully so, of some of baseball's decisions and everything they're doing to jerk around A's fans. Oh, and by the way, they're going to offer this up as a celebration of baseball's diversity and the Negro Leagues and all this stuff. Okay, Fuck you, baseball. That's all a lie. If you cared about diversity, you wouldn't be leaving Oakland. Full stop. So don't 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 try to dazzle me with your and you know this is gonna be wrapped around Juneteenth and they're gonna cloak themselves in a Juneteenth flat. If you gave a shit about diversity, Major League Baseball, you wouldn't be leaving Oakland. You ain't fooling me. Suck a free city over here. You ain't fooling me. Um, having said all that. The one thing that baseball's really gotten right are these Field of Dream games. They have really pulled it off in the cornfield in Iowa, and I guarantee you that they're going to pull this one off pretty well, too. Um, it's, an, it's, it's a gorgeous-looking stadium, a quaint setting. It looks awesome. It looks awesome. Um, it won't be a cheap ticket to get in there, but otherwise, it's an incredibly cheap vacation. I don't know how much it costs to fly into Birmingham, Alabama, or where you got to fly into and then get to Birmingham, Alabama, but it's the cheapest hotel room you're going to find on a major league schedule this year. I guarantee you that. About a lot of reasonably priced, delicious, greasy restaurants all over Birmingham. I would believe that. Reasonably priced drinks and cocktails all over the place. The ticket in such a tiny stadium is probably going to be $800 to $1,000. But that sounds like an awesome road trip. It really does. Um, speaking of awesome, got a battle of Los Angeles going on tonight. You got the Dodgers and the Angels. He's not pitching, but you are going to get at bats tonight between Shohei Otani and Clayton Kershaw. Speaking of price of admission, that sounds like it might be worth it to me. Um, Otani has just been unbelievable. And not only is it pleasing to the algorithm, but uh, it's time to like have a daily almost like, how about this? Otani Tuesdays? Can we, can we do Otani Tuesdays? This guy's unbelievable. First of all, on Sunday, because the Angels were traveling Monday afternoon. Here we are on a Tuesday. They're in Los Angeles again, taking on the Dodgers. On Sunday, a significant streak ended for Otani at Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, Otani saw the end of a six-game streak in which he recorded an extra base hit, a walk, and a run. The only other players to ever do that over that many consecutive games were Babe Ruth, who did it seven times, and Barry Bonds, who did it six times. When you continue to do things on a baseball field and you continue to appear in the same sentence as Barry Ruth, or ba Barry Ruth, Oh, my God. As Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds, that's significant. There is no just, it's not happenstance 
that Shohei Otani's name keeps on blipping with two of the greatest major leaguers of all time. He's absurd. What Otani is doing in real time, in our eyes, it's absurd. If he were a New York Yankee, you'd be so sick and tired of him, he'd be all anyone talked about. Otani this, Otani that, Otani this. They would have a show on ESPN called Otani Center. If he were in pinstripes, if he were a Met, if he were a Red Sox, a Philly, a Cub, oh my God. It's all you would hear about. All you would hear about. Shohei Otani. But because he's an angel, we're actually putting together a decent season for the first time in a long time. Um, you hear about him less. I am going to write that wrong. You will be hearing about Shohei Otani more on this show. And why not? Because here are the Los Angeles stat leaders. Let's just start with hitting, shall we? Angels leaders in home runs, Otani. Average, Otani. Runs, Otani. Hits, Otani. On-base plus slugging, it's Otani. RBIs, it's Otani. Who's leading him in stolen bases? Oh, wait a minute. It's Shohei Otani. How about runs created? Otani. So he's a one-man wrecking crew offensively. Again, when you basically erase Mike Trout off your team's best player leaderboard, in that act alone, you're doing something. But then it becomes historic when you also happen to notice that Otani also leads the Angels in pitching wins, strikeouts, ERA, and batting average against. He's perfect. Is, 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 is that too much to put on a player? Shohei Otani is perfect. He's the perfect baseball player. It's like God invented him himself. Since we're not going to be club plusing today, let me quickly, quickly, quickly. Um, oh, by the way, Jillian saw that $95.70 from Rob C. and Jillian. 95.7 never looked better. <laughs> Thank you. Again, we're not bitter, but we are keeping score. Um, send it in, Rob. Indeed, send it in. Let me do I have that right? Send it in, Rob. Thank you very much. Oh, look at this way. Jillian's joke earned a rim shot <laughs> from Irwin. Thank you very, very much. Um, yeah, Otani is just on a level that we can't even we can't even we can't even comprehend the level on which Otani is on. He's on a level unto himself. He's in a class, class photo all by himself. Kathy says, you need a coffee sponsor, Damon. Uh, you're, yeah, you're probably right. An official coffee bean? I want my own coffee. If I could if I could dial up the sponsor, it would be Phil's. I freaking love Phil's coffee. This is Phil's right here. My old producer, Albie, like knows Phil's Kid, the kid who like runs at Jacob now. I follow him on Twitter. Maybe we'll reach out. Again, we got bigger things to go through right now. Yeah, RIP Cougar Rebel is looking at this saying, baseball diversity, but let's move a team out of Oakland. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, no kidding. Alabama, 
What about Phyllis? Roll damn tide. Do you know Phyllis passed away? Phyllis passed away. One of the greatest callers into the fine bomb show of all time. Phyllis no longer with us. Barry Ruth. Thank you very much, Chris. A. I'm glad you like that one. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Otani. He's a one-man laser show. He does it all. He does it all. The guy's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Kathy's saying, Phil's. Oh, look at this. The Ambrosia. I'm a, uh, I'm a filtered soul guy. I'm a filtered soul. Of, of all the fills, I love the filtered soul. That's that's my go-to. But I do. I like the ambrosia. I also like, what is it, the morning alarm? There's, I think of greater Manhattan or a greater alarm. One of those. I'm so, well, here's the thing. Once I find something that I like, I just keep on going back to it over and over and over again. I'm the guy who goes to the restaurant insisting that tonight I'm going to get something different. But then I always go back to the same thing I like over and over and over again. Loyalty, damn it. Hey, when I find something I like, I roll with it. T from the 203. Barry Ruth. That's a candy bar. <laughs> um, I want to wrap up with something that a lot of people have been talking about. Have you heard about this Titanic tourist submarine that has gone missing? Okay, first of all, that sounds like a very deep, watery grave and awful. And, you know, this is, this is people dying is what it sounds like. And that sounds terrible. So I don't want to talk about it from that standpoint because that's tragic. Paying all that money to go into a submersible to go see the Titanic. Let me just say, I would do that. I would 100% do that. I, I would I would trust submarine technology in the year 2023, right? I've seen the movie The Abyss. Like I, I would I would do that. You know how much you know how fewer people die in submarines than on just cars. Like I'm about to take my kid to a playground. We will be mathematically in more peril on that car ride than probably any submersible. I'm about playing percentages. I'm about playing percentages. Kathy, again, she's coming up with ideas. She's like, what about the Plucer roast? Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe we can pitch it. Um, but man, it is just... I, I, maybe not with kids, but before I had kids, I would 100% have gone skydiving. I'd go skydiving. I would go skydiving. I really would. And I'm not some goofy thrill seeker. I'm really not. But I would go skydiving and I would a thousand percent. If you ask me today, Damon, would you like a ride to the bottom of the ocean to see the Titanic with your own two eyes? Yeah, I would. Now, I wouldn't want to be like, I, I, I don't like the water. I don't like scuba diving. But in, in, in like an actual submarine? Sign me up. Sign me up. I would do it. I would do it. Now I'm getting coffee recommendations. Oh, man, Damon, your mic is low again. Oh, I'm here. I can't. It, I haven't touched it, so I don't know what the hell's happening. 
I guess a lot of people are finding out today that Phyllis passed away. <laughs> a lot of sadness about Philip. Uh, by the way, my sister, my sister is weighing in. I've been skydiving. I'll take it, Lindsay. I would not let you pack my parachute. No way. And this is probably very good advice here from Sportacus saying there's really no reason to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. You're right about that. I hear Jack coming downstairs. So let me just tell you that today, the Karate Kid debuted, Karate Kid 2, debuted in theaters today. Karate Kid 2 in 1986 debuted in theaters today. I would submit the Karate Kid 2 is one of the greatest sequels of all time. It's up there with The Empire Strikes Back. It's up there with Godfather 2. Karate Kid 2, by the way, was one of the highest grossing films of the year in 1986. And to this day, it's still the highest grossing of all the Karate Kids. So Karate Kid 2 Electric Boogaloo, when I was a kid, I wanted one of those drums, uh, the drums that they were shaking with their hands when they were fighting in the old Japanese castle. Like that to me, like I wanted that drum. If I ever got into a fight, I wanted, I wanted the drum. I wanted people beating that drum. I can feel Jack, which means it is time for me to let you know that today was an awful lot of fun. Technical difficulties aside, thank you so much to John Dickinson for stopping on by. We'll get back into Club Plus tomorrow. I am going to be doing a home and home with Larry Kruger tonight. Hopefully we can adjust any and all audio issues before that freaking happens. Um, and uh, that's about all we got for you today. I'm about to take a three-year-old to a playground and have a great daddy day. Here he Oh, Jack, how are you, pal? You, well, you're not naked. You're just shirtless. But come on in. You want to say hello to everyone real fast? Hello. There he is. There he is. No, we're not gonna. We're not gonna go ahead and and push any buttons here. Oh, well, here, here. Maybe you get one. Ready? Hold on. Ready? No. No. I need more ghosts. You want it? You want to listen? All right. There you go. Bye. Sun's out, guns out. Right, Jack? Sun's out, guns out. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's a good bye -bye. way to... Can you... All right, so thank you very much. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in today. I am clocking into a little dad duty. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to wrap up the show today. But, but, but me? Yeah, you're going to wrap up the show today. First of all, say thanks to all of our sponsors. Thank you. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Say what I'm saying. Repeat after me. Say thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you for all our sponsors. Say thank you to Ike's. Thank you for Ike's. And thank you to Uncle Boys. Thank you for Uncle Boys. And thank you for Blackened Whiskey. Thank you for the Blackened Whiskey. <laughs> there you go. And now let everyone know that sports don't build character. Let me go. Can you, can you say that? Can you say sports don't build character? Sports do character. They reveal it. They feel it. And like that, folks, he's gone. Thank you very much.